hello, I am your host, Karen Doyle, and welcome to the Genius Podcast. The Genius Podcast is part of a much bigger initiative for Catholic women called the Genius Project. The heart of the Genius Project is dedicated to equipping and supporting women of all ages and stages of life to discover what it is that God has placed within their hearts to do, giving them the permission to follow that God whisper and dream, and then equipping them with the knowledge and practical skills to make it happen. Over the years, I've often been approached by women seeking advice and mentoring. They want to know how I did what I did and how they could discover what their gifts were. And once they discovered them, how they could use them in a way that brought life and was abundant. They wanted to know how to live their calling. If you are looking to discover what it is that you are called to do with your life, if you have a dream or a passion, but you lack the skills and confidence to take that next step, or you just need some great advice on living your vocation as a Catholic woman, then this podcast is for you. Today's genius guest is Dr. Carrie Gress. Carrie is a wife, a mother to five children, and a very accomplished author. She has a doctorate in philosophy from the Catholic University of America, and her latest book, Theology of Home, is the one that we are going to unpack together in today's podcast. Home is an elegant word. It is a place to live in and feel comfortable, but it's much more than that. Home is where we're nurtured, where we live and where we love. The language of home is universal. It is where we find the eternal in the everyday. But the home is neglected. To millions of women today, there is nothing worse than being seen as a homemaker. But if only they knew the supreme value and reward of giving loved ones a place to call home. Written by three wives and mothers, Theology of Home is a simple guide to help reorient all of us toward our true home, heaven. And it offers us an invitation to think purposefully about how to make our homes more nurturing and ultimately how to lead those who enter our home toward heaven. It's one of the many ways that we express our genius as women. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with Carrie. Well, Carrie, it's fantastic to have you on the Genius Podcast today. Really grateful for your time because I know it's evening over there in the US and it's it's my 9 a.m. So thank you. I'm very excited to share you with our women here in Australia because I just recently purchased a copy of your book, The Theology of Home, and it's just been beautiful unpacking it. So that's going to be the focus of our conversation today. But I think you and I first connected, I can't remember how long ago it was now, on the Shalom Women series, do you recall? Mm -hmm. It was a couple of years ago. Uh, Yeah, I want to say um, maybe two summers ago. Okay. Um, it was. I remember so vividly because I actually mixed the dates up for that event <laughs> and had to scramble. And I think I, I got ready in 10 minutes and got it. I was just so grateful we hadn't accidentally, or we hadn't gone to the pool. Oh, you um, did so we well. Made it. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, it was uh, definitely the, the Blessed Mother helping me. Uh, you know, grateful I had something to put on quickly. But, uh, <laughs> well, um, it, I mean, it was so clever because Shalom was anchoring that program in one city mm-hmm. and then they Zoomed you and I both both in and all three of us had this incredible conversation that worked. 
Yeah, no, it was really, it was really fun. So. But thank you. It's really lovely to be here. I um, I have never been to Australia, but I have a lot of Australian friends and have a heart for for Australians. So it's really uh, a delight to be with you today. Oh, well, thank you. Maybe we can get you across here one day. <laughs> I would love it. <laughs> well, look, we're going to dive into theology of home and this idea of what it means to speak of a theology of home. But before we do that, I'm wondering if you'd share a little bit about your background yourself and how you came to do what you do. Yeah, I mean, like all of us, I, I think this has been a very long journey. Um, I, I was raised in a pretty lukewarm Catholic family, West Coast um, in Oregon. And there, from there, I, my father passed away actually when I was quite young. And mm-hmm. so um, I was a teenager. And at that stage, I think I, I had a strong devotion to Mary, though, for whatever reason. I was kind of fascinated by places like Lourdes and Fatima. And that really was, um, she ended up becoming kind of just a, uh, you know, this lifeline in my life. Anyway, some finally, some some women that were all my mother's age when I was in college kind of took me under their wing and I ended up doing Marian consecration with them and really finally just learning my faith more deeply. That was really a, a big, um, just transforming point in my life. And so from there, I just kept moving further east. And I went to, I lived in Ohio and did a master's degree at, at uh, Franciscan University of Steubenville that a lot okay. of people are familiar with. And yes. then I went on to do a PhD in philosophy at Catholic University, which is in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. And I lived in Italy for a while and Poland and France and all these different places, but really at all that time soaking up Catholic culture and just fascinated mm-hmm. by architecture and art and just going deeper. I think, you know, both spiritually, but also loving just to see the, the Catholic imprint on stone and brick and buildings. And, uh, you know, when I lived in Rome, I, I would just walk around and kind of pinch myself almost every day. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't believe I get to live here wow. and see all of this. So when I got married, my husband, he's American, but we we met in Rome and we moved back to the United States and, and started raising our family here. And I have five children. We had four very quickly. And then um, the fifth one just came along six <laughs> months ago. What's um, the gap between your youngest of the four and then what? new baby uh, five five years um, wow okay them. so yeah I turned 46 and I gave all the baby stuff away and then <laughs> five months later that was, showed yeah, up, so. somebody yeah. in Australia said to us they had five children very close together and she's in her 50s now but she refuses uh-huh. to let go of the cot <laughs> she said <laughs> if I let go of the cot I'm bound to fall pregnant so she's holding right. up to the cot oh that's so funny yeah I'm not giving away anything anytime <laughs> soon I'm just I've done that before so oh, um, wow. anyway but uh yes. yeah my um my degree was was in philosophy but I I quickly learned you know I was I've had a heart for women and for for evangelization for a long time largely because mm-hmm. I, I I grew up and lived around people that weren't really devout Catholics. And so I wanted, you know, I had this great passion for it. And I thought, how do I give this to them? Why can I see it? And how do I package it in a way that's compelling to them? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a really a challenge that so many of us have because of the mm-hmm. fact that things can, in the church can feel dated. You know, we, we, mm-hmm. St. Augustine, uh, you know, centuries and centuries ago had this great line about how the church is so ancient and yet so new and Jesus is so ancient and yet so new. And mm. um, I think we've got the ancient part down in a lot of ways, but we haven't <laughs> done the new part. We don't, we're not True. necessarily sort of feeling a, a freshness to our faith all the time. And so that's, I, I think what's really been inspiring me um, significantly mm. over the last, during the last 
five years, but probably longer than that. And, and that five years, I really was able to put my finger on it and say, you know, logic and reason just aren't going to do it anymore. No, uh, it's, that's not how we reach people. We have to find alternative routes. And mm-hmm. um, so that's been my prayers, you know, Lord, help me find ways to reach the heart of women. And, um, you know, there's no better place mm-hmm. than our homes. So that's, yes. um, you know, what's, what, what we've kind of stumbled upon in this book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just really powerful. I've found reading it over the last couple of weeks, it's just so rich. You can read a page and just sit with it for for quite a while. And I don't know, it's doing something in my soul anyway, Mm -hmm. just, Mm -hmm. it's just stirring things. I've always been big on creating my home and the atmosphere in my home. So Mm -hmm. in terms of light and Mm-hmm. lighting and food and just general oh, order to the home but this yeah. has just taken it to a whole new level which mm-hmm. I just yeah I'm really really enjoying it it's doing something quite powerful so I love the tagline so theology of home finding mm-hmm. the eternal in the everyday mm-hmm. yeah so, yeah no it's um the, the whole project is um I think it, you're right about it. There's something very deep about it because it hits on all of those. It's on so many different areas. And I think, especially as Catholics, now I obviously can't speak for the church in Australia, but the church in the United States, we have a lot of kitsch, Jesus, plastic Jesus imported from China and things like this to give mm-hmm. as gifts. And it's hard to find nice Catholic gifts in, in the U.S. And, and I think too that there's between that and then this sort of sense that people feel guilty almost. Um, we've kind of taken on this sort of puritanical sense of, of fearing the material or feeling mm-hmm. guilty about the material yeah, and not seeing the material as a way, as a conduit really, or, mm-hmm. or a, a way for us to understand the um, spiritual. And so I think that that's one of the, uh, you know, ideas be- behind it is recognizing that, yes, we have stuff and yes, we can abuse stuff and and we can abuse mm-hmm. um, decorating our home. We can, we can, can be something that's selfish or narcissistic or self-absorbed or, you know, mm-hmm. just to impress the neighbors. Um, but what happens when we look at it as a way to get ourselves and our family members to heaven, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden it comes into a completely different cast. Mm-hmm. And that's really what we, we wanted to do with this book was sort of read recast the argument, you know, and it, in the U S uh, and I'm sure it's this way in Australia too, you know, the home industry is just booming. It's huge. Yeah. Billions of dollars are spent Absolutely. on it. And TV and magazines and you know, on and on, but nobody's really asking the question why. And so that's what we really wanted to get to the heart of here mm. was in this book was why is it that we're so drawn to it? And, and much of it comes back to this idea that really our homes are meant to be a, a foretaste of heaven, that they really are meant to help us get to heaven. So I'm, so I'm not surprised to hear that you have the story. I think we, <laughs> as authors, have had kind of the same experience that there's a there's definitely a, a richness and a lot that um, mm. is easy to meditate on and, and kind of resonate. And then the excitement of trying to sort of, how do I, how do I make that appear in my home yes. in a way that people feel it and experience it. So Absolutely. I, I know that my daughter, my eldest daughter, she's just turned 13, but she was at a friend's house recently and they've got this glamour magazine home. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. But she came home and she just said, oh, mum, it just feels so cold there. Mm-hmm. She said, I love our home because it's it's warm and you just feel loved when you come in. Mm-hmm. Oh, but that's so sweet. It was really make that sweet. distinction though. Yes, yeah. like what you feel when you walk into to an atmosphere and I think Mm -hmm. particularly in our modern age like we are so time pressured and rushing and it's so busy Mm -hmm. and I think mums are working like back in my Mm -hmm. day 
most of the mums didn't work. They stayed at home mm-hmm. and, and there was this art of homemaking. But mm-hmm. I do think some of that is lost in the busyness of modern life and it's it's mm-hmm. quite sad. I know that mm-hmm. for myself when I get busy and I work as well, but one of the first things to go when I'm under pressure is home. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know the the laundry builds up, or the clutter yep. builds up, or my yep. desk, the papers pile up, or the you yep. know, like, and I'm a pretty organized, neat person. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it starts to creep in, and I think that that has what happens in the physical does have an impact on us internally, on our souls, mm-hmm. on our mm-hmm. spirits, and also the people that are living in our home, our children, husbands, and those that visit the home. And yeah, I just, it's, it's been, it's been really interesting to read the book at a particular Mm -hmm. season for me where with COVID and, you know, we've just come Mm -hmm. out of homeschooling, which has been quite interesting, but just all (laughs) of the, oh, interesting is an understatement, but just (laughs) how things were neglected during that time, like, Mm-hmm. At the home mm-hmm. and and even on Sunday my husband said we really need to look at downstairs and just you know spend the week working on the house mm-hmm. and yesterday I went like a crazy Tasmanian devil there's this little animal from Tasmania mm-hmm. who is often mm-hmm. portrayed in cartoons he goes crazy I have seen those cartoons okay, yeah so no, that was me I know, yesterday. That, I know the reference yeah <laughs> I woke, great. woke up yesterday and I just went nuts and just and doesn't bring, it feel so amazing oh when it feels done and awesome. you're going through it and then you're just bringing all this order and yes yeah it's it's a great feeling isn't it yeah, yeah. it's really good and it's interiorly like my mind my heart feels clearer today yeah, so that's exactly yeah. right yeah, There's a levity that comes with it too. Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, and actually this, we just finished our, our second book, Theology of Home 2, and the yes. title of it is The Spiritual Art of Homemaking. Ah, um, so yeah. we're, we're definitely speaking to that a, a lot more directly in um, yeah. the next book. But I, I think that that's um, been one of the fun pieces to sort of analyze is to just look at, you know, we love our homes, but we don't, we, we're especially, I'm sure it's the same there, but here it's like a taboo word to call somebody a homemaker. And yeah. um, so I, I think that um, we, we just want to reclaim that and say, look, if you love the home, it, it doesn't just happen on its own. It has no. to have a homemaker. Um, and it's got to be, you know, somebody who can put in the the care and the love and the the thought behind, uh, you know, the hard work behind making a home feel like a home. So yes. that's the idea behind it. There's a beautiful quote in your book from Benjamin Franklin that talks about a house is not really a home unless it has food and fire. And it's not just nourishment for the body, but also the soul. And mm-hmm. I think that's what you're, you're picking up on here, just how we yeah. nourish the soul and those who enter our home. Uh, with yeah. our presence as women and, and then what we're able to create. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we actually, I think that's a, a great point um, that has been fun to kind of address since the book came out, because a lot of people ask, you know, I have a lot of children, we homeschool, our house is kind of a mess, you know, um, I, I just don't feel, I feel, you know, shy or unprepared or like, I can't really entertain people or I'm embarrassed when yes. they, I bring them to my home or uh, you know, whatever the situation may be. And I, I'm always kind of fascinated by it because I know that feeling very well and mm-hmm. um, have experienced that certainly myself a lot. Um, but I think that one of the things that we forget is just how much of a witness our lives are and our families are. And there's so many people that are single or that don't have mm-hmm. this kind of family. And so when they experience it, even in the midst of the mess and the chaos, there's sort of something that they're 
squeezing out of it and experiencing that they don't experience anywhere else. Um, so I, I, you know, from my, my own experience, I finally got to the point where, you know, I offer one blanket apology to people when they enter my home and say, I'm sorry for everything that's not right in this house. And then I just have to let it go because yes, there's, yes, you know, I could go around the whole house apologizing. So, yes. um, you know, the things are not just so, but there are a lot of things that are speaking to people on a totally different level than mm. um, just these, these visuals that we see. Um, and I think that's something to keep in mind. Yeah. And it reminds me of that scripture, you know, we can speak in tongues and we can do all these things, but if we don't have love, Mm. none Mm. of it counts. And I think that's it. We can have the most picture perfect home, Mm. but if what's happening in that home doesn't contain, you know, that element of love, then it's Mm. all for nothing really. Like the house can look beautiful, but it's really what happens within those walls. So you're right. Like I know Mm -hmm. growing up there was a woman who was like a big sister in the Lord and her house was quite messy and disorganized. But Mm -hmm. when I walked in there, it was just like, oh, I could exhale. And I just felt so at peace amongst Mm -hmm. all the chaos. But there was because it was full of love, it was prayed in and it was just a really beautiful Mm -hmm. home. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important thing for us to remember this because I think, you know, as women we we, that comparison trap and perfection. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, early on motherhood, as most mothers would know, perfectionism and motherhood never align. So you need to get over <laughs> that very quickly. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. I'm, I'm interested, like this mission of the Genius Project that mm-hmm. we are doing here is really about helping women discover their purpose and their gifts and activating them. So there's women who are single, there's women who are married, mothers, all kinds of women, different ages and stages in life. So some of these women might not have a home as Mm -hmm. such, like a physical house. But I'm Mm -hmm. interested because you pick up on this in the book, and I know it's something I've meditated on over the years. Home isn't just a building. It's also a sense that we carry within our soul, isn't it? That's a place, it has a deeper meaning and a deeper essence, this idea of home. I'm just wondering if you can flesh that out a little bit more for us. Sure. Yeah. No, I think that is one of the things that is it's fun about this is, you know, unless you're homeless, you, you have a home, um, you know, you, you place where you go and, um, it's not unimportant. And I think, you, you know, even more so now we, we appreciate this. Um, and so we do, you know, try to address single people. And, and a lot of these things are just kind of universal principles and they apply to everybody, whether you're yes. working or not, or you're stay at home or what have you. Um, but there is that recognition, of course, just the connection that we have, um, with the with the church and with you know this idea of transcendentals, which we talk about a little bit in the book, but I don't um, not in deeply philosophical terms. But um, you know, if you think about the things that happen in our homes, they're the same things that also happen really at church. You know, we're nourished, mm-hmm. we're forgiven, we feel safe, we're comforted. Um, there's light there. You know, all of it. There's order there. All mm-hmm. all these kinds of things sort of map onto that, but they also map onto heaven. So it's these same concepts really extend themselves um, throughout our lived experience of our home and then our mm-hmm. spiritual home and then our, our eternal home really. Um, so it's, it's those kinds of things that I think we often can be too utilitarian about and think, okay, this is just the place where I sleep at night and I've yes. microwaving a meal and what have you. But uh, there's something much deeper that can happen. Even if, you know, we're inviting a friend over for dinner one night or a group of friends gets together 
together. I know of one young man that before COVID, uh, he and a group of friends would get together at the same restaurant, like every Wednesday night or something, Um, just for that sense of community and that sense of being home with others. Um, You can also find that sense of home. Uh, My co-author, Noelle, talks a lot about this, that, that she had that sense of home with her husband when she met him. She felt like she was mm. finally at, at home. And, um, you know, really her, her holidays changed from spending them with her, her parents, um, yes. to then wanting to just be with him. Um, so I, I think there's so many different facets and levels and layers to mm. all of this, but it's, a, it, it's important to sort of get out of that merely utilitarian, very practical notion of this is just, you know, um, the place where my clothes hang in the closet yes. and I shower, you know, there's, yes. um, there's a lot more dynamism going on there. And, and that's one of the reasons too, why we talk so much about, especially just even without words that, that the pictures themselves are important talking about how our homes should remind us of mm. the saints and of God, who's always with us. And, um, just trying to, to live our lives in accord with God's will. And some of that, just we need the visual reminders of beauty. And I love you picked up on this with the transcendentals, but some people aren't familiar with what they are and they are truth, beauty, and goodness. And that mm-hmm. is the nature and the heart of God is truth, beauty, goodness. And that's what we're talking about, that the power of beauty, the power of truth, the power of goodness to draw you out of yourselves and I guess reorient your focus on the Lord is very powerful. Like when we look at a sunset, like we're drawn beyond ourselves and Mm -hmm. we are captivated by the beauty of the Mm -hmm. sunset. I think when, Mm -hmm. you know, you listen to a really gifted speaker and they're really preaching truth, again, something Mm -hmm. deep in your soul connects with Mm -hmm. that truth. When we encounter someone who is really good at their core yeah. and and yeah. selfless, so the transcendentals of truth, beauty, and goodness are incredibly powerful. And I think when we're talking about this theology of home, and and as I'm reading your book, even the visuals, the way it's laid out, you, the truth, beauty, and goodness just flows out of the book. I think that's mm-hmm. why it's so captivating because it's yes, it's in your words, but it's in the layout, it's in the design. Yeah. Something yeah. captivates the soul. Right. And that's very purposeful. In fact, I, I've spent a lot of time kind of looking at the culture in my previous book called The Anti-Mary Exposed. Mm-hmm. Um, I really looked at what has destroyed our culture. And it's really, uh, much of it has had to do with things like magazines. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the messaging in magazines, they have these incredible visuals that so many of us are drawn to. You know, I love a good magazine with yes. pages and beautiful visuals and all of that. Um and that's and they they know that you know this this group of women that is is trying to spread different ideas that are kind of but really disastrous to culture. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing it through these visuals. They're they're enticing us visually. Um, so of course my idea was well why can't we reverse that? Why can't we show yes. you know even in these pictures we we sort of show taboo things like dads being good dads mm-hmm. and doing manly things. There's a, a great series of photos of um, one of the, one of our friends chopping wood yes. and um, you know, being with, being with children, we show a lot of children and fam- big families. These are not things that women are, are used to seeing really in magazines. And yet we're getting all of these sort of Marxist ideas and uh, ideas from people like Margaret Sanger. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not because women are reading those books it's because they're reading the magazine. So we, I really wanted to turn that on its head and and recognize and appreciate the fact that we we love this kind of format and um you know i remember when i had very small children and was 
incredibly, you know, stressed out, feeling all that, that juggling of four kids under the age of five. And, you know, my big break was the 20 minutes I got to sit in silence, thumbing through a magazine. Mm -hmm. So this was kind of building off of that idea was how do we use these things that women love, um, but convey, you know, powerful message. And, and I like what you were saying earlier about the transcendentals as well, because what you, you, the distinction you made really was the difference between luxury and beauty. And I think that's one of our stumbling points too, is we, we equate some of the money that we might spend on our homes with luxury. And instead we need to look at it with beauty. Mm. Um, Luxury is one of those things that's turned in upon itself. Like you're referring to the sunset, you know, beauty is what turns us outside of ourselves. So I think that that can be an even a great way for us to sort of discern how do we spend our money? You know, obviously within our means, some of us, it's not really a priority or there's other things that we would rather focus on as well. So it's always one of those things that has to be discerned by each individual. But I, I think that looking at it in terms of beauty and not just luxury or, you know, comparing ourselves with others um, makes it a much more easy task to figure out what, what it is that we would like to do with our our money and resources and time. Yeah. I really like that distinction, the the word luxury Mm -hmm. and the word, I like how you say luxury, say it again. (laughs) Luxury. (laughs) You said very Aussie like there. (laughs) Oh no. Well, I have to apologize. I'm one of those people. I pick up accents from other people. (laughs) Um, I love the Australian accent. It's very bouncy. Yeah. Someone said, oh, I like your accent. I'm like, oh, do we have an accent? (laughs) Very joyful. It's a very joyful accent, actually. Well, I have this beautiful friend and she's from Poland, but then she sort of left Poland late teens and spent many years in the UK and her and her husband and three kids moved to Australia about six or seven years ago. And mm-hmm. she's got this mix between this Polish, this British and now oh, this Aussie accent. I can it's only brilliant. imagine. Oh, she's gorgeous. Darling. Oh, no, it's so it. lovely. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. That's so, so great. Anyway, that's off topic. But um, yes. <laughs> I like that distinction between luxury and beauty because I do think people get really caught up. We can go to either extreme in life. So we can feel like we have to be really, really humble, but that actually becomes, you know, inverted pride. It it can be. And an obsession with Mm -hmm. being humble is actually unhealthy. Whereas, you know, that other extreme you talk about is luxury and being obsessed over material possessions. Mm -hmm. But there's Mm -hmm. something in the middle there in that area of beauty, which I think is really important. And you do Mm -hmm. a really beautiful job in the book of breaking, I guess, the theology of home into three separate parts. And Mm -hmm. I like structure. It's the way I work. So I think, you know, if I can see a structure, I can, I don't know, you connect with it and it tends to stay with you. And so good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I really like that. And so I thought it might be helpful to unpack these three parts. Mm -hmm. You know, part one, Mm -hmm. you talk about the essentials, Mm -hmm. part two, the elements, and part Mm -hmm. three, beyond the walls. And I'm just wondering if we can dive into looking at a couple of those. And and I know that in the elements, you've got a lot, but let's start with part one, looking at the essentials Mm -hmm. of the theology of home. Yeah, I think this part was really vital for just laying out, you know, why are we using this word theology mm-hmm. at all um, with with the home um, to really underscore that, uh, again, that there's something in our homes that is, is really 
um, this foretaste of heaven. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the whole idea of it came to me when I, I, I was actually on my treadmill where I do some of my, some of my best ideas come from the treadmill, but, uh, they do. I was, um, yeah, it was great. But I, uh, was just thinking, you know, our whole goal is really just to get every, get ourselves and get everyone that we know and love to heaven, to get them home. And from there, it just kind of, uh, the idea is just kind of rushed in. And I started realizing that, um, how connected our homes really are to this concept of, of heaven. Um, and we can also see, of course, the opposite of that, that, that they could certainly be a very hell-like place, a hellish mm. place. And then they're not very, they're not neutral. They're not meant to be neutral, but in fact, they're, they're meant to, to do much more than I think what we expect of them on a practical level. So it was really just a recognition of that, you know, looking at scripture, the first chapter in particular, looking at scripture and, and even that notion of the prodigal son, what does a prodigal son do? You know, he goes home to his father's house, mm. you know, all these kinds of ideas, even, you know, when we pray, we go into our room and close the door, um, mm. that scripture passage, well, you could do that physically, you could do that just in your heart as well. Mm. So there's all this, um, these elements of scripture that we really wanted to draw people's attention to, to help them understand, you know, why the home has this sense. Um, and why it is we all have this longing for a kind of a perfect mm. home or a sense of them as sanctuaries, um, that, that God has placed that in our hearts because we have this desire for heaven. Yes. Um, so that was really the first chapter. And then we moved on to this concept of remembering um, and looking at, at the mass in particular. In fact, it was really interesting doing research on this chapter because of the fact that I, lo I looked at the history of Judaism and, you know, something like the Passover meal, it wasn't considered something that they were just remembering, but it was in fact, you know, taking part in the actual Passover meal when it happened in Egypt for the Jews. And this is what the way we think of our, the, the Catholic mass as well, that we're, we're not just remembering Christ, but we're, we're taking part in the unbloody sacrifice of the mass. Yes. So it was interesting to sort of draw all of those pieces together. And again, look more at, at, at the connection between the, the actual church and the domestic church um, and mm -hmm. how those are kind of related. And then the third chapter was really about building. And, you know, this, this chapter um, is kind of looks at evangelization and, even in the preface, we have this uh, this great line that one of the women wrote about how, you know, we may not be able to get our friends in a church. We can certainly get them into our kitchens. Um, yes. You know, we'd have them over yes. for dinner. But I love this idea of sort of building, uh, you know, there's something so tantalizing about, uh, you know, an Italian villa that's been mm -hmm. growing grapes for centuries or olive oil or, you know, whatever. There's something about the land and the the, the farming aspect and the finished product and the family and, uh, you know, all those years of history that have been passed down. Um, and I think that that, you know, something we all would love to sort of have on a certain level. Mm. But I think, again, that also plays into what we're building in the church and what we're doing with, um, certainly on a spiritual level, but all those spiritual pieces trickle down into material. And so this is why we find these kinds of um, beautiful families. I mean, obviously not without their imperfections, but mm. within countries that have been Catholic, like Italy and yes. France and, and whatnot, um, because there is that sense of, of um, family and passing things down, especially the faith and how the faith yes. really informs all of those pieces. So absolutely. 
that yeah. was kind of the the meat of the book in terms of just kind of laying it out. So when you were talking about just that idea of homecoming, and you mentioned the prodigal son, I don't know, have you re- ever read Henry Nouwen's book, The Return of the Prodigal Son? You know, I don't think I have read that one. Oh, it's mm-hmm. it's beautiful. I read it quite a few years ago, but he talks about this idea. He, so he's done an abridged version. It's called Home Tonight. And he uh-huh. speaks about this idea of home and that our whole lives are a leaving and returning to this sense of home. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Our faith journey, you know, even as children growing up to become adults, like we grow up and we leave mm-hmm. the family home, but we come back mm-hmm. to visit. But mm-hmm. he talks about in the spiritual life, how we're, our, our whole spiritual life is a constant series of homecomings to mm-hmm. the back mm-hmm. to the Lord and back to a sense of who we are in the Lord. And I, I really love that. I have to send you a copy of the book because it's oh it's I'll, really- I'll buy it I'm yeah, yeah don't worry about sending me I'll find it because it sounds really beautiful and certainly uh, you know related very closely to what we've we've written about yeah it's really beautiful I know many years ago I Jonathan actually had a copy on his bedside table and we were going on a holiday and I realized I packed everything apart from my books for the re- for the holiday mm-hmm. for my reading mm-hmm. material and I ran into our room and it was on his bedside table and I just picked it up and mm-hmm. along with John Grisham and someone else so it was an <laughs> combination of holiday right. reading but right. Uh, so I'd read John Grisham in 24 hours and then I was I was left with Henry Newman's book. Uh-huh. And, uh, oh, my goodness, I honestly, I spent the next nine months just with that one book, meditating wow. on it. And it, That's amazing. all of his reflections are based on the painting, the Rembrandt painting, The Prodigal Right. Son. I know the painting well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I always found it a really depressing image. It was dark mm-hmm. colours and mm-hmm. I, I love art. So I just found it quite mm-hmm. depressing. But... After reading his book, and there's a a picture of the painting in the back of his book, so the idea is just to meditate on it, that we actually are that younger son and we're falling into the arms of the father, this this Mm -hmm. homecoming into the father's love. And Mm -hmm. it just had a huge impact on my life. And, yeah, I just encourage people to to read it. And and Mm -hmm. I think so much of what you're talking about here, the essentials, require us to slow down. Mm-hmm. And to create some time and space to create this idea of home. I've witnessed time and again, and I'm sure you have too, people who have not had the experience of home, a physical home, of that unconditional love of a mother and mm-hmm. a father, and haven't been raised with, I guess, home being a safe place or a place mm-hmm. they wanted to be. And mm-hmm. what I've witnessed in them is that they do spend a lot of their adult years sort of wandering for mm-hmm. a sense mm-hmm. of home. This sense that when people are not given a sense of home, they do spend their lives wandering around looking for it. Mm-hmm. I think tying into that idea of Henry Nguyen's idea of homecoming, that even if we haven't experienced that, even if we haven't internalised that in our own homes as children and teens, that we can experience that in relationship with the Lord, this spiritual mm-hmm. homecoming. Mm-hmm. That then allows us to create it, I guess, for yeah. family. Yeah, no, I think that's incredibly beautiful. And I think that's absolutely right. There is this sense of wandering. And of course, the wandering is because they don't know themselves. They don't mm-hmm. know who they are. Um, and that's really what home does, is it affirms, both reveals and affirms who we are um, yes. in the unconditional, but also within those relationships that we have with other people. So mm-hmm. if you don't have those, then it's very hard to replicate that except through um, 
through the father and coming to to know him um, yes. in a real way. So yeah, thank you for for laying that out. It's beautiful. A sense of identity, isn't it, that we mm-hmm. get from yeah. home. So it's yeah. not just a house. <laughs> it's not no, just it is shove this food much... in the child's mouth and get this homework right. done. <laughs> right. Yeah. So there's so much more going on there. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's one of the fascinating things too, is I think much of it feels sort of invisible. You know, how is this happening and who is doing this? And, uh, you know, one of the biggest mistakes, of course, that that uh, radical feminism made in, in the ideology was just to think that, you know, children just raise themselves. They just yes. are brought up without anybody. And I think that we're really seeing the fallout from that in terms of Absolutely. the way people feel and, uh, you know, emotionally and, you know, all those struggles, like you said, that, that yeah. kind of wandering. Um, I know there was a piece a couple of years ago in a magazine I was thumbing through and it talked about how people felt more at home in their cars than they did mm. in their own homes. So I thought that was really telling as well, just that isolation. But you also have sort of a limited space, but you're also wandering, you know, you're you're always just moving in your car. That's kind of the idea. So it ties back into your concepts as well. Yes. And I think what you picked up on there, just about the emotional world, like we, and and how it's invisible, like particularly as mothers, like we Mm -hmm. raise our children day in, day out. So much of it is thankless. (laughs) And some days, you know, I've just, my daughter turned 13 and she's beautiful. We're really blessed, but you know, you get a little bit of attitude sometimes from the kids mm-hmm. that they're growing up and you think, oh, my goodness. But mm-hmm. I know for her, just watching her over this year, she started high school and obviously, you know, there's always the friendship things with girls and mm-hmm. Jonathan would laugh saying, I'm down to the counselling room, <laughs> the girls' bedrooms at night. because <laughs> we And just their need to talk it out and some nights mm-hmm. I'd be so frustrated and I could easily palm mm-hmm. it to Jonathan and, and let him put them to bed. Mm-hmm. But just, I guess, building this, their emotional scaffolding to understand yeah. their world and teaching them emotional intelligence mm-hmm. because you can get the best academic score in the country, but if you don't have emotional intelligence, you really don't have a lot. And yeah. I'm seeing that with my children's friends only now as they're hitting high school years because we've had we had three kids in three years so they're all going they're all going to hit this season at the same time but right I Uh see that all those years of conversations on the end of the bed at night are actually starting Mm -hmm. to pay off and it's it's encouraging because a lot of their friends just don't have that they just don't understand their own emotional world because mm-hmm. mum's busy, like mum's getting home from work at 7 p.m. or 7.30 mm-hmm. or the babysitter's there or big siblings there. And mm-hmm. I think as mums we need to be reminded just of the importance of our presence. Yeah. Um, and and right. it's so easy to lose sight of that because we get mm-hmm. affirmation and we get valued in what we're doing with work. Yeah, We don't see it. But I think we're, we can't lose sight of the fact that we're sowing seeds that mm-hmm. will take years to grow and to flourish and bloom. Yeah. But- no, that's, I think that's absolutely right. And that, that I think is the, really the rub that we all sort of struggle with in terms of, absolutely. Um, you know, sometimes it's not even just the reward. Sometimes it's just things that we have to do and have to get mm-hmm. done. Absolutely. Um, and yet it's, it is important to just sit and listen. And I think that that's been one of my frustrations with motherhood is, you know, I don't have the answer for your problem. And I finally had to realize like, I don't need to have an answer. I just need to listen to her. So in part two of the book, you dive in to look at the elements and you talk about different things like light, nourishment, safety, water, comfort, hospitality. Can you, Mm -hmm. I, I guess in terms of 
when you wrote this chapter, like what is some of the most important ones for you there of elements of creating a sense of home? Goodness. I mean, I I think that's kind of the fun thing is there's, they all, I think uh, it was really easy to write because there was so many fun examples and things to think about. I'm, I've become uh, fascinated with this concept of light. I I studied um, medieval philosophy and um, medieval philosophy has, focuses a lot on light and the concept of it and tying together the, the material and the spiritual. And there's just a lot of really beautiful work that, you know, people like St. Thomas Aquinas and Duns Scotus and all these different philosophers did on light. And I spent a lot of time with that in relationship to aesthetics and art and beauty. But I think too, just thinking of it on a, on a spiritual level, you know, even we can think about how when we're grumpy, we're sort of a dark personality, you know, everybody, everybody's sort of walking on pins and needles around us and how that can be, or, or if we're feeling more joyful, there's, there's a lightness and a levity that comes into our homes mm-hmm. through our moods. I recently talked to an, an 80 year old, 80 year old woman um, that she has 67 grandchildren and she's featured in our, our next book. That was one of the things that she talked about was just how she realized that she couldn't give in to her emotions the way that she had been and that she had to do a better job of controlling her anger and whatnot because of the fact that it really affected the family um, and so many levels. So light is an, is an amazing one, but I also think it's just a fascinating concept because of our seasons and the way that it can hit different rooms and different paint and, uh, and you know, lamps versus natural light. And what about at night and all of that? It's a, it's a really fun concept to, to talk about. But then, of course, so is nourishment. I mean, what do we love more than a, an amazing feast in front of us? And yet it's not really necessarily just about the feast. It's about those conversations that happen at the table and whatnot. Some people, it just doesn't come naturally to, yes. to create. Yeah. And I... And I am one of those people that doesn't come naturally to me. So I, I can I can certainly appreciate that. I was always, there was this uh, brand when I was growing up called Animals, and you matched mm-hmm. up a shirt that had one animal and with a pants, it went with another animal and that's how you knew they matched. Yes. And I feel like I'm kind of that way as an adult. You know, I've got some beautiful art from Europe uh, when, when I lived over there in different places, but by and large, I'm just not very creative. And so it's been a funny, you know, I've, my co-author Noel Marrying is such a, a great stylist. And so I think yes. we complement each other well, but I have a deep appreciation for people that it doesn't come natural to naturally yes. to because um, that's not where all of our gifts are for sure. No. And I think that's what's so beautiful about part two here where you, you're actually unpacking the elements and what that means. So it's like a manual in some ways yeah. for people yeah. who might not know how to do that, but want to, mm-hmm. But it, right. it's, it's a manual that I guess helps people mm. along the way, and then and that's a that's a good way to look at it because I think you, you know uh, Marie Kondo has obviously been very yes. popular, um, but that I, I think that that's sort of one aspect that's sort of the order aspect that we talk about um, to a certain degree, but it doesn't really get into these deeper elements of how do we help craft souls and yeah. help mold them and, and you know nourish them and and raise them well. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of merely providing for them, you know, on a, right. on a material level. Yeah, absolutely. And then part three, you're looking at beyond the walls. So mm-hmm. share with me a little bit about what made you put that that part in. You know, actually, it was really interesting. We had, uh, there's one part that we, we talk about, you know, 
leaving home and, and working. And that's one level. And, and certainly our husbands working and outside the home, many of them. And um, sort of that dynamic of it, is all of our work at home to serve his job or kind of vice versa. And there's there's so many great quotes and things like from St. Um, C.S. Lewis. I know we mm-hmm. have a lovely one about, you know, how it's really the outside work is meant to serve the home. I mean, if our final goal really is to get everybody to heaven, then it, it certainly makes sense that, that, that that's where the service needs to be focused on. Mm-hmm. But then we also actually, actually it was interesting too, to even look at, you know, what happens when our children leave home? What happens when we leave home? What, you know, all these aspects of, of, and stages of our lives, um, mm-hmm. whether it's, uh, you know, hospital for our final days and whatnot. Um, we, we have this model of Our Lady as a homemaker. And this is what, you know, talking about the, the, the genius that women have mm-hmm. is that capacity to sort of foresee things and know the direction it's going and try to sort of head it off the past to make sure that people aren't embarrassed or they're not uncomfortable. Yes. And even um, a friend of mine took a, a course on etiquette years ago, and she said the, the prime reason that this course taught her, um, the prime reason we have etiquette is so that people feel comfortable. Um, it's all about making people feel comfortable. It's not, it's not about making them feel left out or awkward. And I, I, you know, obviously that too can be corrupted, but I just love that concept of and this we want in our homes when we bring people in. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that's also, again, where we affirm people and we recognize them is in that level where they can let their guard down, yes. um, where they can feel free to laugh and engage and tell stories and yeah. drink a glass or two of wine and, and just really, you know, let their hair down. So I yeah. think those are important things. And I think you use the word a homemaker puts somebody at ease in the yes. book, that word yeah. at ease where people, like you said, can just be. And I think that's right. That's really beautiful. I love what you were saying just about how you have to do another book because you haven't done enough (laughs) recently. I don't don't know if the listeners realize this, but you've just released three books, haven't you, in a very short space of time? Oh, there's actually a little more than that. It is actually my eighth book. My eighth, okay. Um, (laughs) Of course it is. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. and I did a dissertation before that. So yeah, oh, it's, I'm, I'm kind of booked out right now, actually. So yes. I'm, I'm taking a little break. Um, Good. Uh, yeah, it's been fun. We've actually do- dove into um, candle making. We've been making these beautiful soy candles. That I are all, saw those. They're um, beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Marian themed and, um, yeah. you know, sacraments of the church and whatnot. But um, yeah, it's been fun to sort of do something totally different. But I, I'm a firm believer, again, that this evangelization is not rational. It's not logical. No. So something like our, you know, our candles that smell like the chrism oil, um, mm. it's a very powerful thing, especially if you get it blessed. It's just a, a great evangelical tool, I think, to give to people that are either away from the church or yes. um, struggling or, or you know, for those of us who are just trying to enrich our faith at home. So I've been looking for a lot of ways of how do we do this on the material level um, where we help bring back kind of this freshness of, of Catholicism mm. um, into a, the daily, our daily lives too. Oh, well, look, thank you. This I am looking forward to finishing this book. And I've also got, just let me know, there's a couple on Mary that you've written mm-hmm. recently, which mm-hmm. also tie yeah. into this. So yeah, can you just tell us very quickly as we wrap up just about sure. those books? Yeah. Um, the, the first one on Mary that I wrote was called The Marian Option. And um, there was a big um, trend, a big book in U.S. called option that was basically talking about, you know, how do we deal with the culture that we're in? And um, so I looked at the problems of the culture and, and saw, you know, yes, we have these great saints that have dealt with them, but Our Lady has dealt with them much better throughout the ages. Yeah. And so 
it's kind of a big picture look at all the things that she's done historically in different ways to help Christians. And then the second one actually came out of the first one that it's called the Anti-Mary Exposed Rescuing the Culture from Toxic Femininity. Um, And I just got a lovely letter actually from a woman in Australia who read the book and it was really beautiful. It was, you know, one of those tear jerking, you know, moments when I realized all this blood, sweat and tears is really worth it. It's worth um, it. Because it's changing people's lives. But um, uh, in any event, it's, it talks a lot about the culture that we've been living in and how, you know, the culture isn't just sort of sidestepped who Our Lady is, but really contrary to it. And we can see this, especially with the emphasis on anything but virginity and motherhood. And of course, Our Lady is the Virgin Mother. So mm. those are typically the ways through which women really found their sanctification. Um, so it would make sense that, that an anti-Marian spirit in the world would try to erase those. That's really what we've been living through. And yeah. um, so I just, I brought that to light. So this book then of course came out of that because I realized, you know, we just, we need to start really reaching people in these places where they live emotionally and yes. even in their thoughts. And, uh, you know, when I started doing projects like this, I just, I thought they were so fun. I felt guilty. Like, <laughs> I can't believe I'm, ta- you know, I'm dabbling in all this, these fun concepts. And um, yes. our website, actually, theologyofhome.com was kind of one of these, um, where a lot of this came from, because mm-hmm. I was doing some of the fun stuff. And then I realized, you know what, this is actually where women spend their time and where we yeah. should spend much of our time is thinking about these kinds of things. So why are we as Catholics sort of making it too intellectual a too intellectual or too hard to enter into mm. um, on a day-to-day basis. So, yeah. Um, so that's kind of been the mission. I, I think. Well, you you do it so well. You've clearly it's clearly your genius zone, Thank your you. area. Because Thank yes, you. you have a beautiful way with written word and just expressing thoughts. That um, is just really thank beautiful. You. So thank you so much. Now, just in wrapping up, could you please um, offer the women a challenge for the coming week? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I thought about this um, a lot, um, but when it, it came back to, of course, uh, the, the five different elements that we have in, in our book, um, I'm going to list yes. them again, light or actually, I think there's six of them now. Um, light, nourishment, safety, order, comfort, and hospitality. And it just struck me that that women could take one of those, or even think about the bulk of them, and just kind of meditate about uh, on them, about how they um, integrate those into mm-hmm. their their daily life. And maybe if there's an area where they could improve upon, whether it's you know with their children, with their husband, with um, people that they need to be hospitable towards. Uh, you know, there's so many challenges, of course, now that we're we're all at home. But how do we kind of change the the direction from feeling kind of the abrasiveness of this these challenging times to then having it be something where we're um, improving each other through it, mm. improving our homes, improving our communication, or whatnot. So it seems like these are all they're all, of course you know, it could be something as simple as buying a new lamp, or it could be something as, uh, you know, more elevated, like how do I be more cheerful or how do I bring God's light more into our mm-hmm. life as well? So yes. anyway, all of these things can be, can be thought about on those different levels. So I would just challenge them to think about those in those different layers and in, in, in their own homes. Fantastic. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dr. Carrie Gress. If you would like to order a copy of her book, please visit the website theologyofhome.com and follow her on Instagram. 
Over the next two weeks, The Genius Project will be launching a number of new online courses to support Catholic women discover their unique genius and the many ways in which that genius can be expressed and offered as a gift. Until then, have a beautiful week and God bless you.